Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. My name is Zach, and I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. If you're local, I encourage you to check us out. Our website is calvary316.tv. Our service is at 1030. So if you don't have a church home, hey, check us out. We'd love for you to come and visit. I do hope that you stay with me over the next hour or so as we seek to deconstruct the negative perceptions of Christians by boldly and brashly discussing today's relevant topics in an honest and a genuine way. One of my big pet peeves as a Christian is how absolutely distorted and warped uh, so many within Christianity uh, present money and giving and tithing and, and Frankly, there's a lot of abuse within the church as it pertains to money. The irony to all of that is that there's this other extreme that people go to, and that's to never talk about money. On one end, we talk too much about it, and you see pastors flying their Learjets, this, that, and the other, and it, it's it's kind of nauseating. But then on the other side, we say, well, we, we should never talk about it, when ironically, Jesus spoke about money more than anyone else uh, in scripture. And so today, uh, I want to try to tackle the idea of giving, finances, personal finances, but I want to do it in, in kind of a different way. Um, instead of a pastor, which I am, telling you about what the Bible says about money, this, that, and the other, which we'll leave for a future episode. Today, what I want to do is, is I've invited a friend of mine, a dear friend, his name is Nate, and I want Nate to tell you his story um, not just about growing up and, and some of the, the the things that he learned by observation concerning mother money, some of the, the, the negative things, but just how he evolved, him and his wife, and what the Lord's done through their personal finances. Uh, just setting the stage, Nate is just a normal dude, uh, works a normal job, uh, has three kids and a wife. They attend Calvary 316. He's a good friend. And so without uh, anything else being said, Nate, I'd like to welcome you to the Outlaw Radio Show, brother. Thanks for being with us. Glad to be here, Zach. So I want to start kind of at the beginning. Um, Tell the audience, because the audience knows absolutely nothing about you, about your story, about your wife. Uh, Introduce yourself, and then then let's go back to kind of how you guys grew up. Sure. So I guess... uh... I guess my story starts um, in, in a military upbringing. I was raised by a, a Marine, um, spent, spent most of my childhood traveling the world. I have three brothers, um, and uh, we, we, we bounced all over the place. I ended up actually meeting my wife, who was my high school sweetheart, in Okinawa, Japan, where we met, um, and, and we ended up going back to the States, going to college together and doing those kind of things, um, got married. Um, and I've been married now for 13 years. And, li- and like you mentioned, I have three beautiful boys, uh, a 12-year-old, a 10-year-old, and an 8-year-old, who are the absolute blessings of our life, uh, for sure. Um, outside of that, um, we, uh, I, shoot, we, we started, uh, I started in my retail, retail career um, 15 years ago. And now been with the same company for about 10 years. My wife was a stay-at-home mom for the first ten years of uh, of my son's lives, and um, and is now a teacher uh, at a local middle school. So you presently work for you've been with the same company for how many years? You said uh, ten years now. Now, where did you start in the company, and and then where you're at now? And I know we can't we can't use names, the name of the company, uh, for legal reasons here. Uh, but without giving it all away, 
explain to the audience before we go all the way back to the beginning, kind sure. of your career, your career path. Sure. So, obviously, I uh, I'm actually in retail. Um, is is the career in the uh, the path that I've chose? Um, ultimately, I didn't think I was going to start that way. Um, but 15 years ago, I started just as a part timer, um, going to college um, with a very young family, uh, just trying to pay the bills and, and get through school. Um, now. I am currently a regional manager for 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 that same retailer, um, but started just off as a part timer and have worked my way through the ranks. And uh, ten years later, I'm now uh, now running a region for the same organization, which is which is pretty radical. And this is a big company, right? It is. It is. It's a Fortune 300 company. A Fortune 300. Let's go back to the beginning. As a kid, you're a, a, a military brat, and you're traveling all over the place. Are you the oldest of your brothers, or are you the youngest? Where do you fall within within the family structure? Okay, so I have I have two my, my two older brothers are twins, um, so I'm the I'm the third child, um, and then I have a younger brother. Okay, so you guys uh, four sons, four, four sons. boys, four boys. That's right. Military family. Dad's a marine. Now, was he a career marine? He was a career marine. He retired as a marine. Okay, so you guys were were lifers, traveling, moving being uprooted here there everywhere absolutely you're in you're in japan yes when was it that uh well well first describe your your family dynamic being uh, a military brat you know having having brothers you know describe a little bit of your upbringing and 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 how that impacted you in in certain ways as it pertains to really the topic that we're going to dive into sure so we didn't have a lot of money uh, growing up. That that's for sure. My uh, my father was a you know he was a is a he was a marine right out of high school. Um, we weren't raised with a lot of money. We grew up in military housing. Um, me and my three brothers, um, and uh, and ultimately uh, my mom also became a um, a kind of a government employee uh, over time after being a stay at home mom for many years. Um, now, we had a lot of hardships, I would say, until probably my, my teenage years of life where my parents actually became a little better off, um, had established themselves in, in both of their careers, moving up through the ranks, um, but um, certainly not, not, a, not an environment where money was a real important topic um, and certainly wasn't something that they managed real well. My parents, unfortunately, ended up filing bankruptcy. Right along, actually, with uh, with my wife's parents, to be, be honest, right around the same time um, after Emily and I were were doing our research on uh, <laughs> on our families and talking about this topic, um, so we were we were raised in an environment where where money wasn't a big topic, it wasn't important, and it certainly wasn't managed real well from from my perspective um, in my upbringing. What was the spiritual uh, climate in your home? Okay, um, so the spiritual climate in my home, my my. My dad um, really never was raised in church. He was raised pretty poor, and his uh, um, he had bounced around father after father. Um, so he really didn't have much of a spiritual background. My mom, on the other hand, was actually raised in church. She had a, a very strong Baptist upbringing, um, and she definitely tried to um, embed that into our family. We we would uh, through our travels and all the different countries and the places that we've lived, um, we certainly tried to go to go to church as often as we possibly could. Um, I would say probably towards my teenage years, it became a little more consistent that we were pretty faithful to one specific church um, in in our in our upbringing for about four or five years. Um, that my mom really tried to bake that into um, our kids that there is a God. It's important to understand that. Um, 
but outside of that, there really wasn't much uh, as far as that conversation goes with the kids. It was just more show up to church, uh, right. le- learn from the pastor kind of environment. When when would you say you gave your life to Jesus? I was at about 16 years old. So you're 16 years old. When did you meet your wife? You said I'm, you were a high school yeah, student. Yeah, I met arts. my wife when I was 17, actually. Okay, so you were a believer. What what was her her religious upbringing? Her she she was raised in a in, in a pretty strong Catholic upbringing. Okay, so similar morals, but just a different yes. different environment. Just a different environment altogether. Yeah. So you guys are high school sweethearts. Uh, how did you ultimately end up together? So it it actually is a pretty funny story, and uh, yeah, obviously God God working it to uh, to take care of me in the long run for sure. Um, I was a uh, I was big into high school sports. She was a she was a high school cheerleader. Kind of that's that 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 story <laughs> that you always hear, right? Right. Okay. Believe it or not, but there there's a twist to it in right? Japan. In Japan. In Japan. In, in Okinawa, Japan, on on a military base school. Um, I actually ended up getting hurt uh, towards towards the 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 back half of my junior year. Um, I played football and everything along those lines, and uh, I'd gotten a pretty bad injury, um, which caused me to actually stop playing football, but have them do some extracurricular activities demanded by the school. And one of those things was yearbook class, believe it or not. And she just happened to be taking that class, and I ended up sitting next to her, and the and then the rest is history. This is like a storyline from Saved by the Bell. It, it like, is like football <laughs> player gets injured, ends up in. And yearbook class meets the love of his life. Yes. And uh, did was it love at first sight? Um, you know what? You could definitely tell that there was a spark, and I would say, yeah, you could you could call it that for sure. Did you notice her before she noticed you? Um, no, she would say that she noticed me before I said that. I, I don't want I don't want to challenge that on on the radio. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, smart man, smart man. So you guys, you guys, uh, love at first sight. Uh, you guys, high school sweethearts. Um, when did you get married? How, how many years after all of that that you guys get ended up getting married? Oh, geez, we got married in uh, in two thousand five. So we spent. Um, it was an interesting story. We we actually um, obviously were in love. We actually did a long distance relationship for a year after high school. She ended up moving to Germany. I ended up moving to the states based off of our parents' duty stations. Okay. So we actually had a long term relationship there. Um, but then we finally got back together, going through school. Um, and, and ultimately, I would say five years after high school is when we actually got married. So you guys, you got through college first and then? Yes. So let me kind of set the stage here. You guys meet, both come from, from I would say, and I think it would be uh, fair to say, loose Christian upbringing. Yes. Um, not super dogmatic, not super heavy. Yeah. Both money's kind of dysfunctional. Very much so. Ending in, <laughs> in bankruptcy. Yeah. Um, you guys meet in high school, do college, and then you get married. And were you were you ready for uh, the financial obligations of, of being a husband? Oh gosh, no, no. <laughs> oh gosh, no. They're, they're not not ready at all. Uh, when we look at look back at some of the decisions we made, even with uh, stupid things like student loans and, and and crazy things like that that we didn't think through um, long term, those those all impacted us in a bad way. We weren't prepared at all. And not to mention, as soon as we got married, we had our first son. Okay, let's 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 talk about that for a second. So sure. that happened quick. Was Very quick. It, was it planned? No, so we were we were engaged and, and Emily became pregnant. Okay. Yes. Very, very real thing. And then we, we, we had it planned out the wedding and all that stuff. And short term after the engagement, we actually <laughs> figured out that she was pregnant. Wow. Yes. Wow. Now that um and, and I know a little bit of the story that the audience doesn't, but 
that was not a very smooth pregnancy, delivery, whatnot. Oh, Can you share just a little to the audience of, oh. of what you're dealing with as a new husband? Because I think this is all very important for it, the story. It is, it is. You know, so first and foremost, obviously, um, our, our parents um, certainly weren't, they, they were excited about the engagement, but certainly pretty uh, pretty frustrated with, with the situation that we had been in. And they weren't real supportive of, of this marriage and the whole nine yards on how it was coming down. So that's that's relevant to start with. Um, but as, as we kind of were going through all these stresses in life, she was working full-time, I was working full-time, we were still going to school. Um, when, when we were planning this wedding, she was pregnant with our first son, and on top of all that, the stress has actually led to her having preeclampsia, which which caused an early birth for our first son. Um, he was born, born two and a half months premature, um, and was hundreds of thousands of dollars of medical bills racked up through all this all this stuff on top of everything else. Wow. Yeah. So you guys were in the hospital for months. We were. We were the first several months of his life. We we had to visit our kid in the hospital. Was there ever a point that? that you guys were really really worried about whether or not your son would make it or not oh yeah there was uh there was some really we we always had hope and in a, in a deep faith that uh um that that things would would be okay for us but yeah it was it was the most scariest time of our lives there's no doubt about it cried many a nights um you know not getting <laughs> to hold him and bring him home and oh yeah right. it was it was a very rocky start to a very quick uh it was just a few short months after our wedding. So, audience, I just want to set the stage here because we're going a direction. Nate is telling a story. High school sweethearts, but no real understanding of how to manage money. Um, no real good examples uh, on the right way to, to set up personal finances. Um, working your way through college, uh, pregnancy, marriage, lots of medical bills, Everything starts piling up. Really don't have a career path. Both Nate and Emily are just kind of just trying to make it. And, and like so many of us, you know, you're just trying to survive and you don't know any better. And as a result, you end up making some 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 poor decisions when it comes to finances. And it's, it's right there that we're going to pick things up when we return here uh, on the Outlaw Radio Show. Hi, my name is David Guzik, and I'm a friend of Zach and the entire team at Outlaw Radio. One of the things I like most about Outlaw Radio is Zach's desire to challenge Christians to think critically, ask relevant questions, and then pursue answers on their own. The sad reality is too many Christians don't know what they believe, yet alone why they believe what they do. This is why, in addition to Outlaw Radio tackling the tough topics you might not hear at church on Sundays, their desire is to equip inspire and challenge you to dig into God's Word and wrestle with these complex topics on your own. To help you in this process, Zach wanted me to let you all know of two free resources essential for any serious Bible student. Aside from my full Bible commentary available at EnduringWord.com, the resources you can access at BlueLetterBible.org will truly transform the way you study the Bible. Aside from their treasure trove of free commentaries, blueletterbible.org also has an incredible word search function, making it easy to dive into the original languages behind a biblical text. So if you want to dig deeper into your study of scripture, check out EnduringWord.com as well as blueletterbible.org. 
Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. We're discussing money, but we're doing it in a little bit of a different way because I, I have a dear friend of mine uh, with us. His name is Nate, and he's telling his story. And where we left off the last block is Nate and Emily are married, baby, premature, lots of hospital bills mounting up. Um, not the best way to start off a life together. Um, Nate, clearly you weren't prepared. Can you pick it up from there? Yeah, not not even a little prepared. Um, obviously, life was uh, was throwing every possible angle at us that we, we certainly didn't know how to handle. Um, didn't understand really where um, up and down was. Um, some examples would be, I mean, on top of the the medical bills and our and our, our stressful situation that we were currently in. Obviously, due to the fact that we just had had our son, he was premature. Emily was no longer working. Now, my only retail job was supporting us on top of the student debts that we have incurred. Um, we we even have done um, dumb things like, you know, when 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 book bills would would rack up. And student debt would rack up and we'd get behind on some bills. You'd have all these financial companies reaching out to you going, hey, let us help you wipe out your debt. You know, do this, do that to take care of some of your student bills and the, the housing and those kind of things. We even took out several personal loans that, that destroyed us in the long run with 20% interest rate and just kind of crazy things like that. That's and tough. we were just grasping at straws to stay afloat. I mean... It, we, we're putting on uh, life's floaties for sure to try to <laughs> to old, try to stay afloat. Just for some context, how old are are you and Emily at that point? So at that point in time, um, let me let me think back a little. Newborn. Bit. Yep. You're still kind of getting out of school, working this retail job. Um, yep. One income now. Yep. So so at at, the, at this point in time, Emily would be 22 and I'd be 23 years old. Unbelievable. Yep. And life is hitting us hard right now. In the face. In like the face, hit, bud. Smacking you right in the nose. From your, from your family upbringing, from, from, you know, you didn't have a whole lot of money management skills. Is that a safe way to say it? Very safe way to say it, yes. So there was, there was never sit down with dear old dad and, and, and understand how a budget works and credit card you're you're shaking your head right now and smiling ironically in radio no one can see that that's unfortunate um right because <laughs> my face would tell it all <laughs> yes it, it, it does but you just you're trying to figure it out at this point yes yeah so i never did we ever sit down and say how important it is to save money never was i even taught how to balance a checkbook i mean the, the whole nine yards you you it just it just compiles there was really no it, it was almost like a thing that you didn't even didn't even think of mattered Right until it's you're hitting the face with it the way that we were. Now it's understandable to a degree that early in this dynamic, you know, you got to take on some debt. I mean, you, the hospital bill—that's not your fault. That's something that 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 arose. You got student debt, but to a degree, like you, you kind of have to have it to go to school. Mm-hmm. Sadly, um, in our country, um, you're in this dynamic where um, you're in survival mode. But it didn't. It wasn't. It didn't stay survival mode, did it? Like there, come, there came a point that you started doing well. Yes, but the debt to income just still was out of whack, right? Yeah, it absolutely was. It absolutely was. So obviously, with with our current environment that that Emily and I had created for ourselves, <laughs> for for sure. Um, 
I found myself working harder and more diligent than ever at work to try to fly through the ranks on anything that I can control, right? Um, and, and I certainly started finding success in retail. It was kind of a natural thing for me. Um, I had some mentors um, grab me by the shoulder and walk me through how to, how to move up in the, in the companies that I, that I was working for at the time. Um, obviously, school got set aside for me. And all I did was concentrate 100 percent on on paying off bills and uh, and uh, and taking care of uh, Emily and uh, and my son. Let me add one more component to all of this. So, you guys are believers. You're Christians. Uh, you know, you're followers of Christ. Um, I would assume that tithing was was not necessarily something that you learned from your your parents, and was not necessarily something that you were probably. Um, practicing at that time uh, but what's what's interesting and, and I'm leaning a certain direction here because you and I have talked about this privately um, even even without great examples growing up and just you know being young and, and dumb and figuring it out you still had an understanding about about generosity and tithing and what and what the Bible asks of us is, is that true? That is true. That is true. I, I definitely have a good understanding of what that was, even at that time in life. Um, it was never really brought to my attention the importance of it. But as I mentioned earlier, those those last couple of years in my teenage years, as, as we got a little more involved in the church, um, my mother has always been an incredible giver. Um, she's always given more than she's probably earned in. That's always been a part of um, our upbringing, that you always take care of the neighbor and you do those kind of things. Even without her telling us that, you could just see it in her character. Um, so there was always a sense of that, for sure. And I know towards the end of uh, those teenage years for us, there was, there was was they were tithing, no doubt about it. I mean, you could hear it in conversations about her writing a check, but I had no understanding of it whatsoever, why it was relevant, how it was important, um, and what it would mean to me, ultimately, at this point in my life. So you're 23, 24, 25, you're working. Yeah. Um, during this season with the debt and you're just trying to... Are you tithing during this season of life? No. You, you know you should be, but you're not. So I wouldn't even say at this point in time... I mean, through my history, I, I knew I should be. But at this point in time in life, it's not even something I thought of. <laughs> right. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. even on top of mind at all. It's, Nor were we going to church. Okay. So it was just putting food on the table. Yes. And it was it was during this season that you also... Um, you guys traveled quite a bit. Like you, you moved around. We did. Um, so it was hard to plug into a church if you're moving every every other year, every year. I mean, describe like uh, that season of you guys' life. Sure, it was. Um, I, so to describe it would be every opportunity um, that the company would give me to move up. Didn't matter where it was, I took it. Um, it and it, to 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 put it into perspective. Over my 10-year career with this with this organization, I've moved four different times to four different states. Um, just just running after um, success in a way without finding the abundance that, that that should follow suit. So you guys were were jumping all over the place, hopping. Um, you get to Georgia ultimately, mm -hmm. and um, when did it start dawning on you? that man I'm running after something like like when did it occur that man there were there were things out of balance out of whack like like let the audience kind of understand your mindset because because where you were and where you are now as it pertains to that particular topic of, of tithing and generosity and whatnot I mean we're 
two different polar ends. Yes. So share with the audience some of the progression of your own thought process, things that were occurring, dawning, and we'll set up kind of maybe the big moment for the next block. Okay, sure. Um, so so through through all these travels and, and, and me really reaching for something, um, was certainly something that was uh, that was deep down in my soul. I, I wanted to be successful. Um, there's no doubt about it for my for my wife and my kids at this point in time. So I was taking every ample opportunity to uh, to jump all over the place, to move up in my career, um, to really provide for my family was the ultimate goal. Um, they've always been my motivation, right? Um, my mindset at that time though was just grasping at straws, really not understanding. Um, where that that true peace and abundance and and those things really come from i was certainly searching for something i just didn't know what it was you know um you know we often find our success in, in what the world tells us success is you know and and as i had my other sons and our family dynamic grew stronger and stronger because it was like emily and i versus the world we didn't have family to lean on we didn't have anybody else to to really take care of us it was really us against the world and ultimately that's the way that i lived my life um not pulling from any anything else besides i'm gonna run so hard and i'm gonna find success for my family that's just the way it's gonna be um and that was my mindset really not settling into anything um anything that truly mattered and had any real depth it was like i'm gonna i'm gonna do whatever i gotta do to move up my career path get more money for this family and take care of them so there's not much of a, of a reliance on on God, your heavenly Father. Um, this is this is Nate versus the world. It was. It was Nate versus the world. It well, we're gonna was. we're gonna pause in, in that in that moment, and we'll come back to that that thought. Uh, but I do need to just take a quick second here and uh, and let you, the audience, know that one of the most important aspects of this show is our desire to connect with you, the listening audience. Uh, radio is such a weird thing. Uh, you sit in a studio, you talk into a mic, um, to an empty chair, and people are listening. But you have no context or concept of who it is or how these type of things, these conversations, are making impact. So I would love to hear from you. Uh, aside from that, if you have any uh, questions or you want to challenge something uh, that was said on the show, or if you'd even like to submit topics that you would like us to address and to talk about literally, uh, there is nothing off limits. There are several ways that you can reach out to me and the show. Uh, first, email is often the easiest. Our email address is info at outlawradio.org. Uh, if you are on Facebook, if you're one of the several billion people on Facebook, uh, find us. Uh, it's facebook.com slash the radio outlaw. And then if you're into Twitter, uh, you can also find us uh, at radio underscore outlaw. And then as we've always mentioned, if you're interested in having your question or comment played on the air, uh, here's our phone number. Our phone number is 678-883-3316. Once again, that's 678-883-3316. Don't go anywhere. Uh, we'll be right back here with the Outlaw Radio Show. Hey, this is Josh. Thanks for joining us for the Outlaw Radio Show today. Zach is talking to Nate, a close friend uh, and a member of the Calvary 316 Fellowship uh, there in Georgia. 
They're talking about finances and tithing and giving and stewardship and a lot of things that young families and even families who've walked with God for a long time need to know about. So stay tuned for part two of today's edition of the Outlaw Radio Show. Thanks for joining us for part two of the Outlaw Radio Show. Here's Pastor Zach and Nate as they continue to talk about finances. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. We're having a conversation about finances. And I'm having this conversation uh, with a dear friend of mine named Nate. And where we left things off in the first half of the show is really a dynamic I think most of us can, can really relate to. Uh, Nate used the phrase that it was it was Nate versus the world, um, trying to provide a life for his family, trying to dig out of debt, trying to to get his family on a solid financial footing, um, trying to uh, keep a dynamic where his wife can remain home with their sons, um, not having much of a f- of a family structure around, traveling a lot because of the job knuckling down to work his way up nate versus the world i think a lot of us can relate to that you know nobody's going to hand it to you most of us don't have a silver spoon and it's either it's either do it or flounder and it's with that kind of being established that i want to kind of pass it back over to nate because it, it it didn't always remain that and, I, and I'm interested to know what the progression ended up looking like. Yeah, so as, I, as, as we're on this path, uh, Nate versus the world, um, we made our move to Georgia, and, and, our, and our boys were, were getting older. And to look back at what, what um, I was able to accomplish through my career, most people outside looking in would say that was a pretty successful and meteoric career path that I was on. And it's true. When you look at how fast I was moving up It absolutely the ranks, is. It's absolutely true. Absolutely true. So even with that being said, finding the success on the outside, um, ultimately, you, you, as many trophies as I had and, and, and being ranked number one or number two in the, in, in the company, all those great things that uh, then anybody looking outside would go, wow, these guys are doing well. We were still on that almost paycheck to paycheck mindset. Nothing was being banked. We were making it. We were staying afloat. But real the, where the real impact happened for us and that, that change in the Nate versus the world kind of mindset was we decided that it was time to start getting our kids in church. We always knew that that was something we needed to do. Um, so we started going back to church. Um, we found a local church um, that, that we started to go to pretty faithfully. There was a lot of resistance at first, right? It was the, those Sunday mornings are, are tough to get up sometimes and, and make it in. Um, but ultimately we started forcing ourselves to go and it was really um, for Emily and I making sure that uh, our kids were raised in an environment where they understood God. Um, and, and, and that's really where that change started to happen uh, for her and I. Um, we started reading the Bible more, studying into those things. We started hearing messages on tithing, um, and ultimately it was, uh, it was pretty eye-opening uh, for me, specifically during one, one message that I heard um, that really described the whys, the hows, and, and really what God's looking for as, a, as an act of faith to make that step. So you're Nate versus the world. But now you're starting to to consider maybe it doesn't have to be that way when it comes to your finances, that that you do have a heavenly father that does want to provide. But the issue really boils down to self-sufficiency 
versus reliance on the Lord. And elaborate on on the thought process of, of where those things really started to, to churn around in your head and in your heart. Yeah, so as as we started going back to church, um, we started praying more as a family. We started doing all the things that a family should do together, um, teaching our kids about God, and it really started to soften up our hearts. And certainly it was God God working through um, Emily and I, uh, where we knew deep down inside that we needed to, to take that act of faith and that, that step towards tithing. Um, so we knew that, and, and it took a long time. We probably went to church for a solid year before we even even considered it. And then at that point, when we did consider it, we almost did it on our own terms, not on God's terms. We're like, you know, something we got to do. So we started throwing that $10 bill and the tithe plate going across or the, the offerings basket. You started doing those little things, but not truly getting into what, what God really wants you. Now, why do you, why do you think that that's, that that's how it was a progression? So you go from, from not giving to kind of a conviction that we need to give, but then it's like, well... We're going to do it this way. Like, you know, I think, I think really what it comes down to is being, being scared, you know, and, and fearful of, the, of that face step, you know, because keep in mind that we at this time, though I've had career success, we're not financially successful. It's not something that we're, we're standing back with loads of cash in the savings account, those kind of things. It's still, it's still a, a paycheck to paycheck kind of play. You're not Scrooge McDuck. I am. <laughs> like, like diving into to money pits. Absolutely not. I'm not swimming in the gold, uh, gold coins by, let, by any means. Let me back up one step because I think this is, this is an, an important uh, notation. Um, when you say tithing, because you, know, you, you had this understanding that this is something that we should be doing. Uh, define that. Like, what was it specifically that that you understood you should be doing, but then didn't? Okay. Sure. So, so ultimately, we we've always heard and knew that it was a it was a tenth, right, of of what you're supposed to be giving, right? The the ten percent. Um, traditionally, it's what you've been taught and brought up, and and ultimately, that's that's what we've come to know. Um, so we we had that prompt inside to give something, and we knew that we should be tithing, but we were not uh, we were not willing at that time to buckle down and give the ten percent because we just didn't think that we had it. So we need to give ten percent. You're out of your gosh dang mind, Lord. Like yes, that ain't happening. But let's let's start figuring out how to how to let's start to putting our toe in the water, right? <laughs> but the toe in the water didn't work. Like it didn't. Like you were still dealing with a deeper conviction, right? Yes. Yeah, and so so Emily and I as we we decided to start giving and, and keep in mind I'm I'm the only one working at this time. We decided to start giving and it was the little bit here, a little bit there. We decided, okay, we're gonna start with a hundred bucks a month. You know, and then the other part that we'll do is, you know, instead of giving it giving it in the in the tithe offering the way that God wants us to, we'll take we'll take another twenty bucks or thirty bucks here and maybe give it to somebody who's in need and, and needs it down the street. We we were putting our own controls on on what we thought we should do um, to step into this tithing. So game. it was still a, a a manner of control. Yes, it was. You wanted the authority over it. I did because I didn't think we could do it. So when did it all change? Like when did the light bulb go off, or or maybe not even the light bulb? When you finally hit your knees and you and you surrendered, so we we heard we've heard plenty of tithes message up to this point, but there was a specific message that really just broke it all down um, about having an abundant and blessed life, and 
that message really convicted Emily and I to go, wow, we, we haven't been doing this thing right. So we, we buckled down, broke down on our knees, um, and ultimately said, God, we're, we're, we're committed. We're going to do the full 10% the way that you're describing us to do it, um, the way that you're telling us we have to, you know, the way that you're, you're leading us and saying, hey, look, this is what I expect. That's my money. You need to just give it as an act of faith and, and, and do it, and, and I'll take care of you. You know, and not having it at that time, when we when we fell to our knees and did that, I will tell you that was that was a challenging couple of months when we first started to really give in. Um, but after that, everything really started just to play out and start to take care of itself. And you began to go, wow, okay. Um, once you let go of something like that, it was a pretty incredible feeling and in how God started working even more and more in your life in other areas that we would have never even anticipated. Well, we'll get, we'll get to that component of it in the final block, but I just, I just want to go back so the audience doesn't lose the reality of, of what's taking place. One income, still working your way up, starting to give a little, but the Lord's placing this conviction on your heart from from the revelation of God's word and 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 just the moving of his of his spirit on your heart that this needs to be 10%. Yes. But the balance sheets don't make sense. I mean this is like you're not you're not making this decision from a place of affluence. You're making this decision. You still got debt, you still got things uh bills that are due. I mean, this is a major sacrifice. That's right. I mean, it, am I fair in describing that that type of a decision for you? It's a huge, huge decision. Um, made major sacrifice. I mean, we're feeding three young boys, and you know, we we have everything in the world still being thrown at us with raising kids and all those things. So it's a huge sacrificial decision for us, and it was very tough for us to make. Don't and don't miss that audience. It was a tough decision to make, and and when the Lord impresses on our hearts acts of obedience, they're not to be easy. Like they require a measure of surrender and sacrifice and letting go of certain things that the Lord wants us to let go. Because he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so we're going to pick back up with Nate. One, one more block. Don't go anywhere. Uh, more here on the Outlaw Radio Show. One of the missions of Outlaw Radio is to bring your attention to ministry resources that will benefit your personal study of the Bible and spiritual growth. With this in mind, we want you to check out Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Not only is their vision to help the thinker believe, but they exist to help the believer think. To accomplish both of these aims, their website, rzim.org, is filled with tons of free resources aimed at not only answering your own difficult questions, but with the intention of providing the necessary tools to defend your faith in an ever-growing, hostile world. Once again, you can learn more about Ravi Zacharias International Ministries by visiting rzim.org. That's rzim.org. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. I'm joined by a dear friend, Nate. I want to pick things up right where we left it off. You've struggled with this idea of tithing. The Lord's really pushed it on your heart. You and your wife, Emily, have made the decision. We're going to do this. We're going to tie 10%. Um, interestingly enough, it, it doesn't end up just staying at 10% um, as, as the Lord continues to do this. But this was a major thing. You're, you're making a sacrifice. So I'm going to shut up. You take it from there. Yeah, so it, so Zach, man, a, ma- a major sacrifice for 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 Emily and I. Very very tough decision. It was um, 
it was very tough for us to come to it. As a matter of fact, I remember, I remember one of the evenings when we decided to actually just go all in and, and do the ten percent as God was requesting. And how Emily and I, through our prayers, um, there were some teary eyes and uh, and some other things that really that choked us up with making this call. You know, as you're as you're looking at your three little boys sleeping in the bed, wondering, man, am I am I making the right call? You know, is this really what I should be doing? Um, and ultimately, it was that conviction that that led us down that path, and 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 we went all in. We started giving at that ten percent. So this was a trust versus control issue. Absolutely a trust first control issue. You've used that you've used that phrase just in our own conversations. Can you elaborate to the audience what you mean by trust first control? So you go back a little bit into my story about Nate versus the world. You really you really try to take the bull by the horns and I'm probably speaking and relating to a lot of men out there where you want to take the bull by the horns for your family. Um, you want to control the outcome. You wanna you wanna make sure that you're doing everything right by what you can control and, and make that make those things happen. Um, <laughs> tithing is <laughs> tithing and is completely and utterly giving in um and that's not something that came real easy to me um i had to let go hmm. to to that to that control of finances and and i wasn't doing a very good job you know <laughs> over the over the years and years that i i had control over it so instead of Nate versus the world for you tithing became the issue of acknowledging i don't have to do this alone and you know what, Lord, it's going to be you. Yeah. It's going to be you. You have to provide for my family. I'm going to place all of this into your hands. Um, as it pertains to the practicalities of this, um, were you tithing in the sense that um, the money would come in, you'd have your stack of bills, you would go through it, and then you would tithe off of whatever was left or the practical uh, angle of, of, of the discipline? Yeah, so the, the angle of the discipline, um, Emily and I decided that first fruits literally mean first fruits. Um, and what I mean by that is an example we would use often is if you're getting paid $100 on a paycheck and you're getting paid in $10 increments, that first $10 bill that hits the palm of your hand first, that's God's. And that's the way that we've lived it. We did not, we did not live live it to where you know that stack of bills gets paid and then it goes to God. It was the absolute first fruits, the way that God's designed it and told us He wants it done. So the first thing you tithed, and then it was like, all right, Lord, you got to make whatever's left take care of the rest. And and that that had to have been a scary, but to a degree exciting because have you regretted making the decision? Oh, so very, so first of all, very scary, no doubt about it at first. And, and that decision was probably one of the most important and impactful decisions we've ever made in our lives. So there is absolutely no regrets. Elaborate on, on how that became such a radical moment for you and Emily. You don't realize that, um, where your, where your heart really is and what you really think your life should evolve around or what it is evolving around. And money is always something that the world around us has taught us that evolved that, that that's what everything evolves around right you know and in letting go of that that huge burden that emily and i had faced uh for so long at that point and giving that up to god and letting him take control of, of what we couldn't control um was 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 incredible and never looking back as the lord blessed define that has he blessed and then define what those blessings have looked like okay um has he blessed would be an understatement um would be an understatement um we've been blessed 
beyond anything I could possibly um, imagine over the years since we started tithing. Emily and I's relationship, first and foremost, we've gotten closer. Um, there's more, I think there's more love in my household than ever before. Um, we've been blessed with obviously three healthy boys and everything else that could go with that. But from a, from a financial perspective, no matter how many, it was funny, no matter how many mistakes that we'd make, even from the time that we tithed, because we still made plenty of financial mistakes, um, it almost seemed as if God would just look out for us and go, hey, look, this is this is the other angle you should take. Let me let me take care of that. You included him. I, I did, yeah. And, and, it, and it, became, uh, it became one of those things where every financial decision, a big one that we would make, we'd, we'd do it through prayer and petition, and, and that ultimately came something else that we would give up through this tithing as a, as a first step in the faith. And it's made a huge difference in our finances and our lives. And um, beyond that, it's it's blessed me in my career. <laughs> I thought I was successful before. When the tithing came around and we started doing that and giving up first fruits, um, it became more and more abundant, even through my career that way. There's one component to your story that I don't you know, I don't wanna to just leave out there. I wanna I wanna wrap some things up here. Um, you know, you grew up, you and your wife, military, traveled everywhere, moved everywhere, often. Yes. And then in the early days of your marriage, and not even just the early days, but but probably for a good chunk of, of your life together, as you're working your way up a career path, um, one of the ways that you were able to do it is that you were willing to go wherever the promotion was. Yep. And so you're also moving around a lot. Um. I know an opportunity arose at the end of last year, uh, quite a promotion you would have received, but it would have required another move. And um, why didn't you do it? So the, the reason um, we, we, we didn't take the job is um, through our relationship with, with God, um, there was a true calling to be right here. Um, and there was something that he was prompting us to say, "Hey, don't don't go anywhere. You're home. This is where you need to establish roots. Don't go chasing something that you don't need to go chasing." And ultimately, it was a real a real a real prick and a burden on our hearts for that. So I ended up actually turning down that promotion, um, and it was pretty big one. Um, as you as you've mentioned, it was a pretty big opportunity for me to to make a big move um, career wise. And do you think do you think the discipline of letting go and letting God and surrendering that portion, you're not chasing something anymore. That there was a peace to the reality of like I don't have to go anywhere. Like I can I can rest where I am, trusting the Lord. And you passed up a big a big promotion, but then what happened almost immediately after? Yeah, so the, the, to to go right back to what you were saying, the peace and the things that have, have come over me through through this act of faith has been been overwhelming, and. Even though we passed up this 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 promotion, um, something pretty amazing happened. Somebody that had been embedded into the area that I live in, um, ultimately for a very long time, um, the last ten to fifteen years, um, has been a staple in this area. Um, decided to move on, and it actually opened up an enormous opportunity of the same magnitude right here locally that I never thought would exist within a month after me turning down that other job. Almost like God in heaven was looking out for you, right? No doubt about it. You know, audience, giving, generosity, always understand that you don't have to give. But what grace does in your heart is that it is that it causes you to want 
to give. It forces you to, to, to get into a place of, of why am I not trusting the Lord? Why am I not placing my faith? Why am I like, do I own my money or does, or does my money own God? And, and, and really the reality is all of the blessings that you have are the Lord's. The question isn't giving God, you know, 10% of what you have. It's, it's you keeping a percentage of what God has given for yourself. And it's just such a powerful lesson. And I think I, I just want to thank you, Nate, for, for being with us and sharing your story. Um, really appreciate it. And if you have any questions, uh, please reach out to us. You've been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. If you like what you heard, I want you to do um, two things. First, please, 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 please contact your local radio station and tell them that you're thankful uh, that they're that they're carrying this type of programming in your community. Please understand, uh, these stations don't make a lot of money, and it really is a ministry uh, for the gospel of Jesus Christ to go out uh, to the masses. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is go visit our our website. Our website is outlawradio. Uh, org. That's our that's our website, outlawradio.org. And this is why I want you to go go visit. If you're listening in the car and you missed part of today's episode, from our website, you can easily access our podcast. We have a podcast that's available both on iTunes and Google Play. You can listen again to this episode in its entirety, or you can go back and listen to anything that we've ever done here on the Outlaw Radio Show, all of our previous episodes. Again, May I encourage you to connect with us, Twitter, at Radio underscore Outlaw. You can send me an email at info at outlawradio.org, or you can follow us via Facebook, uh, The Radio Outlaw. Once again, Nate, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much. And uh, once again, I'm Zach Adams. Hope you join me this time next week for The Outlaw Radio Show. been listening to the one and only outlaw radio show with zach adams as mentioned if you like what you heard be sure to connect with us on facebook follow us on twitter or check out our website by visiting outlawradio.org to listen again to today's show access our daily two-minute broadcast or full-length episodes check out the outlaw radio podcast available on both itunes and google play Once again, don't forget, we want to hear from you. If you have questions, want to challenge something that was said, or would like to submit topics you'd like to hear Zach discuss on air, you can either email us at info at outlawradio.org, or you can leave a voicemail at 678-883-3316. Finally, programs like Outlaw Radio are wonderful tools God can use to change lives. But as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. First, if you're not tithing to your local church, you need to do so. And yet, if God has laid it upon your heart to extend your generosity above and beyond your tithe, we'd ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Outlaw Radio. Every donation ensures this show remains on your local station. To learn how you can become a financial partner, please visit outlawradio.org. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We hope you join us again next week for the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams.
Outlaw Radio is a ministry of Calvary 316 in partnership with his productions. 